you know, we're working on this particular series entitled Uncluttered Faith. And the purpose of the series is to unclutter our faith, to kind of take away some of the cobwebs that have kind of hidden what our true faith should be or how we're supposed to be as Christians. And along the way, we have realized that you can't have Christianity without Christ. You can't be a Christian without Christ. So we're understanding that if we are the body of Christ, which we are, then he is the head of this body. And if he's the head, then the body should support whatever the head would like to do. Now, Satan knew that. So his job was to separate that, to sever the head from the body. So in a sense, the body of Christ has been beheaded. (laughs) We've been cut off from the source that is supposed to give us life, that is supposed to give us direction, that is supposed to give us all of these things. In John 15, as we talked about, Jesus is the tree. We are the branches. Branches bear fruit. They do not produce it. We have been in the business of trying to produce righteousness or trying to look righteous or trying to produce gentleness and love, but we're trying to produce it instead of actually organically letting the love of God flow through us to his people. So we are doing our best to unclutter this thing so we have a better understanding of what we're supposed to be doing because the world needs Jesus. They need Jesus. We are his body. We're his arms. We're his feet. So his love, his direction should flow through us to the people. But before that can happen, we're going to have to unclutter some things. So today, we wanted to talk about the paradigm shift continues. We started on the paradigm shift last week, the thought pattern of how to continue to change, how to redo our thinking. So the paradigm shift continues. I'm going to read you a little paragraph. It says, God sends Jesus into the world to shatter the status quo. And return God's kingdom to its rightful Lord and master. So Jesus was sent to shatter the status quo. That meant over over these centuries, over these time periods, the people had got accustomed to studying the word, but losing contact to the God of the word. So by studying the word, the word almost became God itself because they began to become experts at study. But forgetting that there's a reason the word was written, that it would lead them to Christ. I hope you're understanding what I'm talking about. So there are people who are proficient at the study of the word. They got all kind of big, you know, 13, 15 letter words and stuff to describe things and describe how that flows and how that goes and what this means. But the study of the word had become almost more important than the God of the word. So Jesus enters into the world. So he's beginning to shatter how they look at things. And you can tell immediately when you read the Bible, it must have caused the stir. Because immediately they began to follow him everywhere he went. They began to try to trip him up, try to cause problems for him. So there was something about what Jesus was saying, using the same scriptures, but giving deeper insight as to what they were dealing with. And they got upset about that. Are y'all following me today? 
So let's go to a couple of scriptures that I think will help us as we do this particular study. Again, Jesus enters into the world and things are somewhat cold. They're, they're shallow. There are people who practice the law religiously. They knew every aspect of the law. As a matter of fact, little Jewish boys and girls began to study the word of God at age five. So they were able to memorize large portions of the Torah. They were able to, to, to recite large portions of the Torah. They knew the word. The problem was, again, they had lost contact with the God of the word. So even for you today, you know, we can sing songs, man, about praise and worship and how he's the great I am. He's the great God. He's God almighty. And then we look at TV for a few seconds and we think that thing we're watching on TV is more mightier than God. We kind of get confused. So let's see if we can help ourselves today. You ready to have some fun? Listen, we're going to go to Matthew chapter four, Matthew chapter four. And we're going to begin to read at verse 23 in the Amplified Translation. And it says, and he went through all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. So two things jump off the page real quick. And he went through all Galilee doing what? Teaching in their synagogue. Synagogues are the places of worship for the Jews at this particular time. Where every, every week, every day, how many times they went there. Somebody would get up and read from scripture. They would get up and have these ritualistic experiences at church. But Jesus enters into the synagogue and he's teaching. That means he's taking the information that is provided and he's breaking it down for those who hear it can better understand it and then utilize it. You know, like our teachers did us. I don't know about you. I didn't know how to add until I went to school and I had a teacher that was able to take that information, internalize it and then give it to me in a way that I was able to understand that two plus two equaled four. Y'all still follow me today? So. And he went through all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and doing what? Preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. So he's teaching about something that's a little different. Why? Because he came from heaven. He comes to bring the kingdom to the earth. So he is preaching this good news. Let's keep reading. And, he and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people demonstrating and revealing that he was indeed the promised Messiah. People needed to be healed. People needed to be made free from sicknesses and diseases. But this was actually a byproduct to help identify that this Messiah had power over everything that Satan provided. Everything that Satan produced. So the healing thing, again, don't get this twisted. Pastor Ben is not telling you that healing is not good today because it is. But I'm telling you, it was a byproduct to help identify Christ. What quicker way would it be to get people to come to you than to do what Jesus was doing? And we'll read on a little further. He began to heal. And because of the healing things, his fame grew. 
People came to him. If they come to him, they're coming for the purpose of doing what? Hearing the good news of the kingdom. Letting them know that they've been reconciled. They've been redeemed. Let's read on. It says, so the news about him spread throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all who were sick, those suffering with various diseases and pains, those under the power of demons and epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the other side of the Jordan. So now Jesus has entered into this fray. He's entered into the status quo. And because of the healing things, he now has the attention of the people. Fame is now following him. So people are now following him. What's next? He can now begin to tell them the good news. Because they're ready to hear the good news. So he now has this audience to begin to teach and to preach. So now we move into Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Now again, what makes this sermon so unique and makes it so powerful and beautiful is the fact that Jesus is going to do a paradigm shift. He's going to teach the word in a fashion that the people can eat it, internalize it, then put it into practice in their everyday lives. He's about to change their view of how things are being done. Let me give you a real quick example and we'll start to read. In a lot of the Jewish areas, the word of God said to keep the word of God on the forefront of your mind. So in a very ritualistic way, they would make little boxes called phylacteries and they would put a scripture inside the box and then they would tie it on their head, on their forehead. So for them... That meant that the word of God is for, it's, it's, it's on their minds. It's in the forefront of their minds. That's not exactly what God meant for them to do, but that's what they did. So what happens now is once you start with a phylactery on the front of your head, another guy sees it and he wants to be assumed or presumed as having a deeper spiritual connection with God than you, then he's going to get a bigger phylactery on his head. Are y'all following me today? So before long, there were guys who have to hire people to help them walk down the street because their phylacteries were so big they couldn't hold their heads up. But this is taking the word of God in the wrong fashion. They're using it to be seen and not to be understood. Because the word of God would have been better served if it would have been inside of them than outside on their forehead. Are y'all following me today? So Jesus enters into a world where this ritualistic view of the word of God is being taught, preached, and practiced. Now he's going to do something that's going to be mind-blowing. So let's have some fun with the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, Amplified Translation. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up. On the mountain. Now listen, up on the mountain is a beautiful analogy of being high, 
being above the chaos, being above the, the mess. He is above it all. So now in this position, he's going to begin to preach. He went up on the mountain and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them saying, blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit. Those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant. Jesus did not waste a second in digging in tough. And I mean digging in tough. The word of God came to the Jews first. God chose them as his chosen people to bring the word of God into the world. So there had formed in them over the years a certain level of spiritual arrogance. He chose me. He chose us. What they were forgetting that he chose you so you would be the, the outlet to the people of his beauty, of his mercy, of his grace. But rather than do that, we took it as though it was a badge of identification for us. He came to us. So these people were spiritually arrogant. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to be like them. I need you to be like this. I need you to be so thankful that God died for you that it's no longer about you. Somebody say amen. Is that you would be prepared to be poor in spirit. You would be prepared to be poor in importance. You would be prepared to be poor in spiritual arrogance. You know, we have some folks like that today. You know, I'm a Christian and you're not. That's not why Christ came. He came and that we would take it to the whole world. So it's not a, a position of pride. This is a position of mercy. This is a position that we should be so thankful that Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. So being poor in spirit makes you blessed. Being poor in spirit makes you Understand, but it also makes you an outlet. It makes you easy for you to share with other people. And it doesn't matter who, because you understand. He saved you. He saved me. What was it about me or you that was so special other than the fact that everybody, for God so loved the world, so when you don't think about you as being more important than others, or as the Bible said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, then you would be poor in spirit. Therefore, you would be blessed. Y'all still with me this morning? It says, for theirs, these blessed folks, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. So again, Jesus steps into the status quo, says the status quo is this. You are spiritually arrogant. You think more highly of yourself than you ought. I need you to do a paradigm shift. I need you to become poor in spirit. I need you to understand that you're not saved because of what you have done. You're saved because of what I have done. Let's, let's keep reading. 
It says, blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who mourn over their sins and repent. I love the word repent. We'll come back to it in a second. For they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. To repent, to turn away from, but even more importantly, to turn to something. What we get stuck on is the turn away from. And we continue to make the concept of sin more important than the concept of grace. So when you repent, you turn from this world of sin that characterizes you. You now turn to this world of grace that will begin to describe you all over again. So what's more important is not so much what you turn from, but what you turn to. So repent is not a word. It is a action. It is something that starts internally and begins to change how you see the world, how you interact with the world. You go from being a sinner to standing in grace. That makes you blessed because you understand your forgiveness. You understand that the only way to be forgiven, blood had to be shed. And it was the blood of the perfect lamb that was shed for you and I. Again, he's talking to people who are yearning for something different because that group of people who were in charge were putting pressure on these people to act like them. They couldn't figure out all of those laws, so therefore they were burdened. Jesus is coming and taking the burden away. He's telling them, you're okay the way you are. I just need you to repent. I need you to turn away from that world and come to me. Are y'all still here today? To come to me. So listen, it's more important to concentrate on what you turn to than what you turn from. Somebody say amen. Blessed, inwardly peaceful, I love that, spiritually secure, worthy of respect, are the gentle, the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus just gave a profound statement describing who will inherit the earth, but also at the same time telling us who will not. There are some mean-spirited, cold-blooded, uncaring people. You know, I heard a lady one time, she had a, 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 a really quality meeting with another lady, and the lady shared with her some of the stuff that was going on in her home. And it was very private stuff, heartfelt, and she felt like she was talking to somebody she could trust. So as... We convened all together in a group. This lady who heard the information stood up and said, I have a prayer that I'd like to pray. I want to pray for sister so-and-so. Cool. But then she went on to tell every piece of sister so-and-so's business. Every private, horrible experiences. She made it public. That's not what we're supposed to do. But she did it because she needed to have somebody she could look down on that she was better than. This is competitive Christianity. God, I really need y'all to understand this today. We should not think that way about others. We should be gentle 
We should be kind-spirited. <laughs> but we got folks that are spiritually conceited. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with them people. Not realizing that just a little bit ago, somebody could have said the same thing about you. But we're supposed to be patient and kind to receive those people. To give them an opportunity to come to know Jesus. But right now, I don't know about you. You could see it in society right now. There's some cold-blooded, impatient people who call themselves Christians, who are causing incredible damage in the earth. We can't be that way. Jesus is laying out the differences so we can choose what is right. Let's read on. It says, blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is right standing with God. Those who actively seek right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. Why? Because seeking right standing with God, the only way to receive that is you have to go to Jesus. Because he is the door. There is no right standing with God that you can get on your own. You cannot find it anywhere outside of Jesus because there's only one name. There's only one way. And that is Jesus. So... If you are searching for this right standing with God, how do I get it? I don't get it off my actions. I don't care how good I think I act. And again, Jesus is speaking to the status quo because they have developed a system of acts that are presenting themselves as being righteous. But it's really not righteous because outwardly they were portraying a behavior that did not correspond with the real them inwardly. Inwardly, they were evil, mean people. I said this a couple of weeks ago. There are people who have a mouth full of scripture and a heart full of hate. Jesus is speaking into this void and telling us we shouldn't be that way. So your right standing with God only comes through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And you realize that he did it this way so no man could boast. That we wouldn't be able to say, I did this on my own. God loved me so much because I prayed 22 hours a day. He loved me so much because I had phylacteries on the front of my head. He loved me so much because I had tassels on my clothes or I wore a beard that I wouldn't cut or any of those kinds of things that really have nothing to do with the inward you. Amen. It says blessed, content, sheltered by God's promises are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Sheltered. By God's promises are the merciful. That means we are full of mercy. I need you to really understand. We didn't get what we deserved. So you should be merciful. You should be full of that mercy, understanding what it really means. We didn't get what we deserved. Jesus exchanged places with us. 
And he took what we deserved and then gave us what he had, which was right standing with God. How did we get it? Through grace. Understanding that mercy, understanding that gives you patience for other people. Let me tell you how this other thing works. If you're in the business of having a phylactery on your head, trying to impress people to buy what you know, then the only people that you will recognize are other people that you think know what you know. That's not mercy. Mercy is making sure people know God had a plan, a purpose that we would be restored to him. And part of that purpose and plan was that it did not involve us. It involved him and his son dying for us. So we didn't get what we deserved. We got mercy. Do you recognize mercy today? Are you willing to share that, that concept with somebody else? Can you be merciful? I've heard so many preachers talking about, you know, this group of people and that group of people and those people and always doing something, pointing out others who are seem to be far away from Christ. But listen, when we do that, we have no right because one time we were far away from Christ and somebody had to show mercy to listen to us, to pay attention to us so we would have the opportunity to find this right standing with God. Do not write off anybody because you weren't written off. Be merciful, man. Praise the Lord. Blessed, anticipating God's presence. Wow. Spiritually mature are the pure, where? In heart. Those with the integrity moral courage and godly character for they will see God. I need you to leave that one up there for me for a second. Blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature are the pure in heart. Everybody say pure in heart. The only way you know somebody is pure in heart. It's like the tree. The fruit of that purity will show itself in their lives. When you interact with that person, you will receive from them that purity, that fruit of kindness, that fruit of being merciful, that fruit. You'll receive that from interacting with them. If you have this real ritualistic relationship with God, then you can't produce that. You will try to show people that you love them. But if love is really not in you, then it will be hollow words spoken with no action following. You know, women know this better than anybody. You know, your husband will say, oh, baby, you know, I love you. I really love you, girl. You know, I really love you. And then they don't take out the garbage. They don't get a job. They don't pay any bills. They don't do anything that really would support what they were saying with their mouths. I sure hope you hear me today. Pure in heart. This is inward work, not outward work. So all the outward stuff doesn't mean a thing. It's inward work. Your heart needs to be made pure. 
Somebody say amen. Is this, is this helping you today? We're almost done. This is, this is good stuff. It says, blessed, spiritually calm, with life joy and God's favor are the makers and maintainers of peace. We have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. So the maintainers of peace, for they will express what? His character and be called the sons of God. We have to stop expressing our character. All I hear about is I got the right to do this. I have this right. I have that right. Listen to me, man. When you accept Jesus Christ, you give up that right. You surrender that to God. So God can use you to be the peacemaker. He can use you to to represent him in the world. So you give up your right so he that lives in you can now live through you. And the world needs Jesus. So as he lives through you, people will know. People's lives will be changed. People will be able to recognize you. But if you're going to run around thinking that you can do whatever the heck you want to do, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. I sure hope this is making sense to you today. It says, blessed, comforted by inner peace and God's love are those who are persecuted for doing that which is morally right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. An inner peace for doing what is right. A inner peace for doing what is right. Not an inner anger for doing what is right. Not being able to identify everybody who's not doing what is right in your eyes. But having inner peace for you, for you realizing I am morally changing, not because my lifestyle makes me closer to God. I am morally changing because Jesus's lifestyle committed me to God. And because I understand that, grace now teaches me to say no to ungodliness. That's how it works. I am so excited about God. I'm so excited that he saved a knucklehead like me. I wake up every morning studying, wanting to pray, wanting to do those things. But listen to me. It's not the length of my prayer that makes me close. I pray because I am close because of Jesus' sacrifice. And when you understand that, then it's no longer about you. And you quit trying to find people that you think don't deserve this or that are going drastically wrong. If they're going wrong, those are the people we should be running after. Those are the people that we should have the patience with to be merciful for so they can find this Jesus. Almost there. Almost there. It says, blessed, morally courageous, and spiritually alive with life joy in God's goodness are you when people insult you and persecute you. Now, listen to me. They're insulting you or persecuting you because they insulted and persecuted Jesus. So they are insulting and persecuting the Christ that is in you. There's a lot of you who think that you are being persecuted 
and to insult it because the world around you or the circumstances around you have changed. <laughs> oh, I need you to get this today. So you think you're being persecuted because God is doing something for those very people to come to him, but it makes you uncomfortable because it's messing with the phylactery on the front of your head. Stop. Stop. Thinking this is about you. It's no longer about you. And the more you do that, yes, you'll be persecuted. Oh, yeah, you'll be exalted, but it'll be for good reason. Because it was for the suffering. Jesus went through that suffering so he could find the joy on the other side. I need you to know today, I'm here. I want to give my life to Christ. Am I perfect at it? No. But I refuse to go back. I refuse to think that there's somebody out there lower than me. There is no such thing because when I look back on my life, I don't find anything of value in that. I can count it all dung for the glory of knowing Jesus. Therefore, my desire is to go after everybody. Wow, those people are too far gone. Somebody could have said that about me. But there was somebody like my grandmama praying for me when I was totally spiritually insane. Praying for me. Right now, real persecution, real insult will come when you're actually doing God's work. But you want to claim the prize of insult without, that, without dying to you. <laughs> this is not about you. The insults come because it's about the Christ in you. But it's not your job to identify it. It is your job to let the world identify it. A branch does not eat its own fruit. A branch bears fruit for others to come and eat. So you don't have the right to try to describe yourself. The people you interact with will describe you. They'll let you know what's coming from you. Die to you. Let me finish this thing. It says, and falsely say all kind of evil things against you because, why? Of your association with me. Some of the stuff that people are saying about you right now are true. Because your association with Christ has gotten cluttered. We have mixed things up so bad that you don't even know the difference between what the word of God is saying. What the world is saying. Those two things have become so entangled that I, I, I remember reading a scripture uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. Or actually a couple of months ago. I read the scripture. A lady sent me an email and said, I get angry when you talk politics. I read a scripture from the B-I-B-L-E. But because that scripture hit against something she was believing politically... She thought I was talking politics. 
Jesus did the same thing. They accused him of all manners of things in his teaching, even the Sermon on the Mount. You know, some people left this sermon angry, upset, deciding to do whatever they could to stop Jesus. Why? Because they wanted their lifestyle preserved. They don't want a paradigm shift. I'm calling out to you from the bottom of my heart today. Let Jesus be Jesus in you and through you. He will give you peace. He will give you joy. He will give you inner peace. He will expand your world. He will do all of those things. Yes, it's going to require some work on your part. You're going to have to repent. You're going to have to turn from some things and turn to Jesus. Almost there. It says, be glad and exceedingly joyful for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is giving real reasons why there's going to be persecution. Not false reasons. Now, hear me. You know what the Jews did at this particular time? They asked Jesus, why are you persecuting us? Why are you doing this to us? Jesus is like, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for God so these people can have a chance to have an intimate relationship with him. So why did they follow Jesus? Why did they turn him over to Pontius Pilate? Why did they do those things? Because he spoke a word that made them uncomfortable. Their comfortability had become their God. When Jesus hit against that comfortability, they felt they were being persecuted and insulted and then made up their minds to kill him. I sure hope somebody's hearing me today. So how are you? What's happening to you right now? Is your comfortability being shaken a little bit? (laughs) Listen, when you're a child of God, you are a child of God. That means he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you. And I need us to make that transition so we can become the peacemakers. We become those that extend righteousness to others. We become those that extend mercy to others. We become merciful. This is what we're supposed to do. So let's make the paradigm shift. Got one more verse and we're close today. Y'all okay? Praise the Lord. Y'all, y'all having fun? This is coming from Mark chapter 10. And we'll begin to read at verse 42. And this is the passion translation. <clears throat> now there's this whole big thing about um, who's going to be the most important in Jesus's kingdom. Because the disciples at this time still thought that Jesus was going to have a physical kingdom. That he was actually going to be the real, literal king of Israel. They didn't understand that this was spiritual, but they were having this big argument about who was going to be on his right and who was going to be on his left. But this is how Jesus lays out this truth. Jesus gathered them all together and said to them, those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects. 
They're oppressors in the world. They are oppressors. They rule oppressively over the people. Let's go to the next verse. It says, but this is not the example you are to follow. Again, we are not supposed to follow the world. We are supposed to follow Christ. So the things of the world are not supposed to guide us. We were created to guide the world. But we have to separate our source of information from the world to Christ. I sure hope you're hearing me today. Some of you wake up early in the morning and your source of information comes through a square mechanical or technological instrument called TV. That becomes your source of information when the source of information for the world sits in a little black book or brown book or whatever color it might be in your house called the B-I-B-L-E. All I'm asking you to do, start with it first. Check out what the word of God says first and let it be your source of how you see things rather than let someone else tell you how to see things. Let's keep reading. It says, you are to lead, (laughs) you are to lead by a different model. If you want to be the greatest one, then live as one called to serve others. I don't know about you. Can you imagine how thunderous this statement was? Because we're still talking about people who have phylacteries so big on their head, they had to hire people to serve them so they could walk down the street. Jesus is taking all of that away and saying, if you want to lead, you need to change your model. You need to have a paradigm shift. And that shift is that you are to serve others. You can't, you can't define others how you want to. Jesus came and died for everybody. Let me keep reading. Y'all, y'all okay? It says the path to promotion and prominence comes by having the heart of a bond slave who serves woo, everyone. <laughs> who serves Everyone, Jesus is explaining to us what we're supposed to do, what his body is supposed to do. Got to keep reading. For even the son of man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as the ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to give away? Jesus walked the pathways and the hills and the mountains and, and the rivers and of all over Israel. He just walked and walked all over Galilee, all over all of those cities. Jesus walked that place. We go there now on these trips and they take us everywhere that Jesus walked. They take us to all of these different places. Can I tell you something? Even today, right now in 2020, Israel is only 2% Christian. 
2%. That resistance to Christ is still manifested in that concept. I need you to get this today. I'm not talking against Israel. I'm trying to get us to understand how easy it is to have Jesus walk across our lives every single day. And we still ignore him and don't understand who it is. It's important for us to get this because it ends up being self-denial. You're going to have to deny yourself to serve others. I could hear some of you right now. Pastor Ben, you're making me mad. (laughs) That's because I love you. I'm not intending to make you angry. I just need you to know that if you're looking for prominence, if you're looking for a promotion with God, then this is the only avenue to travel. This is real spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not being able to recite a whole bunch of verses. Spiritual maturity is realizing that those verses taught you to die to you so Christ could live through you. And then that way you serve other people. I'm excited about what God is doing in us and through us. There's... A great time ahead for us. And it starts by you denying you. Make the paradigm shift. Take the phylactery off of your forehead and put it in your, in your mind. Take love off your lips. Put it in your heart. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Brothers and sisters, love you. I pray, God, that this today has been beneficial to you. I pray, God, that it has helped you. I thank God for what he has done for me personally. I thank him. I thank him that he died for a knucklehead like me. I thank him for his grace. In Jesus' name, I pray, and I thank each and every one of you for being a part of this today. Come back and see us next week as we bring about the final conclusion to this particular series. God bless you. See you next week.